0: Hi, I'm Lucy von Sturmer, founder of impact-driven thought leadership agency, The Humble Brag, and co-initiator of grassroots activist movement, Creatives for a Climate. On this podcast, I'll be learning from pioneers, mavericks, and creative disruptors, all using their power, platform, and influence to build a better world. Women challenge the status quo because we
1: are never it. You're a real leader by simply bringing humanity back to business. Do you want to be a leader that you look back in time and say that you were on the wrong side of the argument when the world was crying out for a solution?
0: This is A Positive Disturbance. Hi everybody, I'm really excited to share with you my first episode of A Positive Disturbance. And I've got to warn you, it's a little bit chaotic. This conversation was recorded over Instagram Live, but I've had so many requests from people who wanted to engage in this topic that I'm re-releasing it as my first podcast. So here it is after some difficulty logging in. Mark Ank, brand activist at Native Circles, and one of my key collaborators at Creators for Climate, joined me to explore the topic, systems change and what this means for business. Yes, it's working. Hey, Mark!
1: Unbelievable!
0: I'm so glad that you got to like see and meet Jillian, my awesome impact intern. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I actually, probably, that conversation was a lot more interesting. I loved it, actually.
0: Not at all. Not at all. I mean, hi, thanks, Stella. Um, so where to start with systems change? What the hell is systems change? sense for me.
1: What is systems change? Uh, well, ba- I think basically it's underneath behavior is a system and, um, and that system is, is most of the times invisible, but is so ingrained in everyone's habits yeah. and, in ev- and in the whole system, the whole construction of it, that that should change to be able to, to make like uh, a leap towards something else, if you would want that.
0: It's kind of like the idea that you have to start from a white page, like a blank start, a new beginning, rather than tweaks to business as usual.
1: Exactly. Exactly. But Is it
0: like, are we talking about the end of capitalism? Like, like painted. Like, I don't. What are we expecting from systems change, or is it just more that people will reprioritize certain things in society? That brands will become more purpose-driven. That that brands will become the custodians and caregivers that we expect now, or um, that governments will have a different role to play. What can we hope for or imagine?
1: Uh, that's a really hard, hard I question feel like to I answer. Can
0: have these conversations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so
1: <laughs> but, publicly, but, but, but. It, it, it is a quite hard uh, question to uh, to answer. But I, I feel that the real system change is a, a change in, in kind of connection to, I think we've separated ourselves and put everything into models and into rational stuff. And by that, we're able to almost kind of be impersonal to it. Yeah. And that's what's causing the problems that we're facing right now, I think. Even corona is part of that connection crisis. Even the climate crisis is part of that connection crisis. So it, it's really weird because everyone's been saying, like, um, the people who dream another world are the naive ones. But I think it's quite naive to think that, you know, to keep on going the way we, we're we going yeah. uh, is going to take us to somewhere else or to a better place. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really clear that we've hit a wall and that this this system doesn't work.
0: No. I'm just looking for a quote. I read a quote today which said something like, the people that are hoping to go back to normal, exactly as you say, you know, like normal was not sustainable, it wasn't good for us. And I think you touched on something really interesting which is that we can be almost impersonal. And I know that for me, building a purpose-driven business and being involved with communities like Creators for Climate has meant that I can bring my full self to everything I do. And actually it's such an empowering feeling And now that I'm living in this space, I actually forget how disconnected most people are. That they kind of put on their work hat and their personal values because they have to earn an income, which I totally understand and respect. But isn't it powerful when you can find that connection between what you do and and what you believe?
1: Absolutely. and Even within companies, you know, they're talking about employees and talking about target groups and talking about, which is weird. We're talking about people here in the end. So it's this whole system is based on abstracting uh, those people and, and even other resources as well. Yeah. And, and from the, so it's, it's not that weird that people come in and they, they almost hang themselves uh, somewhere like they would hang a coat somewhere yeah. and then step into their role into the company. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are not that happy about that, I think, but,
0: yeah. Don't change
1: it, because that's the system.
0: So that's the disconnection crisis, I guess, you're talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: Um, there's a, this was the quote that I wanted to say. So it's from activist Sonia Renee Taylor, and she says, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was never normal, other than we normalized greed, inequality, exhaustion, depletion, extra- extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature.
1: Beautiful. It's really beautiful. So let's
0: talk about it.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean,
0: You know, this could all end in a few weeks. This could all end in a few months. But, you know, whilst we're at home, sitting inside, staying safe, how can we be kind of preparing for this new world?
1: Well, I, I, I've got the feeling that the, the really upside of this is that we have the time to think about, uh, about it. I mean, there's loads and loads of downsides to it, because we are you know, really gradually entering uh, a huge economic crisis, which is probably far worse than the one that we've been seeing in 2008, 2009. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of suffering and a lot of grieving and a lot of panicking going on as well at the same time um, because we're I think that's part of saying goodbye to a system, so we'll lose stuff as well. You and I will lose stuff as well yeah, uh, probably, which is hard you know it's it's really hard to let go of 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 things that you're used to and privileges that you're used to and
0: And mic drop, Mark froze. <laughs> what was the end of that sentence? You had me on a...
1: Was it? <laughs> Someone called me.
0: <laughs> no, I think it's interesting talking about loss because, I mean, on a private note, um, you know, you and I had a conversation about how privileged we felt. Um, and, you know, I feel very lucky. I'm in a, in a home and I, you know, am, am spending a lot of my time just... Um, thinking about what I'm going to eat.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> um,
0: and there are a lot of people really suffering, you know, a lot of, Absolutely. of the family too, um, and people in the community. So I think that um, dealing with loss in terms of this imbalance and systems change is going to be really interesting. But how do you have this conversation within a boardroom, within a brand, within a, within a rational context? Mm-hmm. You and I have spoken a lot about the fact that you know, the role of activism is to sit outside the system and to kind of antagonize it and to shift the dial. But yeah. if you are, you know, trying to create change within businesses, what's the language that you can use? How can you present these concepts in a way that does appeal as my um, intern, in Jillian, who was on the call before, you know, this triple bottom line kind of concept?
1: Right. Now, that, uh, the 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 thing that I always use, I think, is is... I start with regarding everyone as humans again, as as human beings again, Uh, even within a boardroom. Yeah. uh, Most people don't see the other ones as human beings anymore. They're colleagues or they're bloody idiots who don't agree with them or they're, you know, something else. But they're all human beings, even even the bankers, even the lawyers, even the advertising people, even you know, all these people who've been sure. building this system and who whom we might consider as sharks are human beings in the end. So, what I think really the trick there is to poke and to get into that realm of.
0: But I guess the other thing is is that you kind of have to be invited in, in that capacity, right? So I imagine that, for example, when you go and talk to brands and companies, they already know a little bit of what they're getting. Whereas, you know, if you are a young change maker like Jillian, um, and you are wanting to start to have that conversation, you do need a kind of like rational framework, let's say the business case, to be yeah. able to present these concepts. So what yeah, true. what is the business case? Is there the business case for that? Yeah,
1: the, the, the business case is health. The business health, ca- health the business okay. case uh ah shit i forgot who who said it but even in the 70s somewhere uh, yeah. someone said there is no business to be done on the on the dead planet i yeah. forgot his name but he's a uh he's be- he became a great activist from in california somewhere and there from there patagonia, is no
0: from, from, from patagonia would say but Continue. Yeah,
1: but there is no business to be done with dead people and there is no business to be done on a dead planet. Actually, right. it's that simple. It's a question of are we choosing a system that chooses for life or are we, we have chosen for a system which yeah. has proven to end in death? Basically. So what you're
0: talking about is burnout essentially. So the the rational conversations that you can go in and is having, you know, if we can rethink the way that we operate in a business, it will be a healthier business and you'll have healthier people.
1: Mm -hmm. And happier people.
0: And happier people.
1: Which means more motivated people and more productive people in the end, because they're, um, you know, the the people who can be themselves at work and while working and, who are happy doing that are yeah. the ones, the ones that are most productive as well. Now you're gone by the way.
0: Oh, thank you.
1: Where are you? Where are you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Literally like the most chaotic Instagram life. <laughs> um, I mean, I know that when we go in and have conversations with um, brands and agencies, you know, we talk about changing consumer expectations. We talk about, um, you know, the reputation of business leaders and the brand reputation that they're trying to build. Um, So, you know, you need to have these kind of like, obviously the business case ready, but I do think that people are ready for a new kind of business and a new kind of leadership.
1: Um,
0: So do you have any examples of um, brands that have got it right or leaders that are really pushing for systems change either within or without or outside of the system?
1: (laughs) Mm, mm. Uh, Yeah, well, the clear example still is Patagonia. Yeah, uh, I think I've, in, what is it, more than 35 years of being a consultant to large companies and small companies, I've never met a company that is this consistent in, um, in being good, basically. <laughs> in, in, yeah, and, and still they're a business um, and they're a successful business. Yeah. But they are driven by their mission and by their belief in the goodness of humanity as well. If I've, I didn't meet any assholes yet within Patagonia. Um, They have a
0: good HR asshole filter.
1: Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. I think it's
0: interesting, because if you talk to Alex Weller, the marketing director at Patagonia, he also won't shy away from the fact that it is a competitive advantage for them.
1: Yeah, it is. Not that it
0: happens to be, and not that it's strategic or manipulative or any of these sorts of things. You know, when they do do a grand action, consumers do reward them. And that's just to go to show that this landscape truly is changing. Absolutely. Um, but it is interesting, right? So if, if we have less trust than ever in governments and traditional to be able to respond to the major issues of our time if businesses are the ones to be the most agile at the forefront mm-hmm. um do we really want a shoe brand being um our guardian for example like yesterday vivo the released this amazing new podcast on regeneration and i was really inspired by it um but then it got me thinking like is it really that normal and healthy that we expect a shoe brand to really stand up to protect us in society, it's a shoe brand. So, mm, like, what mm. are the limits of brand purpose? You know, could uh, we expect more from governments, for example. Instead,
1: we should, I think, and and um, there are limits to uh, to brands being purposeful. Yeah, and I think the example you just mentioned shows how thin that line is, in a, in a way. But yeah. Is it's like, bra- what do is- we want
0: from brands anymore?
1: But, and is it relevant to the brand? Is it relevant to the point yeah. of view of the brand? Is yeah. it? You know, for an, an, another example, which is a small brand, is Original Beans, chocolate brand? Yeah. They've been right from the beginning, Philip Kaufman, who's, who's the founder of the company, right from the beginning, they've, they've really gone into the regenerative movement. They work together with indigenous tribes to do their yields. They, But it's part of their system. It's ingrained in right. what they do. I it's think not- for me,
0: what I would expect from a shoe brand is that they have a really ethical and sustainable supply chain.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, like that's the role that I would see them playing. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting when brands go and suddenly become the voice of all reason or activism.
1: Well, it doesn't matter. There's a Lisa is that, yeah, that yeah, is at least the, I think. Do it. you
0: think the fact that Patagonia is privately held makes them able to change the system
1: more? Yes. <laughs> um, actually, I've, I've been having conversations with people and who were longtime employees within Patagonia. Like, why isn't Patagonia uh, a cooperative, for example, Yeah. for the employees? Which is a deliberate decision by the founders, by Yvonne Chenard, who said. I will never dilute the vision and mission of this company. And at the moment that I'll start uh, distributing shares, I'll lose that control. So, yes, one, it's uh, they do have more liberties uh, due to the fact that they're privately owned.
0: Yeah.
1: And not even privately owned, that's controlled by one family. Uh, I basically, think that a
0: really interesting point around leadership you know, do we envisage this sort of like utopic, everybody has a say, um, deliberative democracy type uh, structures, or you know, do we really need these leaders with strong vision? And sometimes that means control.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you
0: think about that? I mean, I know that you and I have both dabbled in Extinction Rebellion, and now, you know, are working with in Creators for Climate, and we have had lots of conversations around this.
1: Absolutely, no, and, and I do feel that every organization needs the spirit of a strong leader in a way, which means someone with the vision, someone with also with the resilience and the grit actually to keep on doing it Uh, because a lot of the time it goes against like every reason and every normality to do this type of stuff. And you'll need someone to, just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. So I'm, I'm, I'm a, in big favor of unreason uh, or uh, not being reasonable all the time. I think yeah. to be reasonable all the time also means to compromise on a lot of stuff and you do need unreasonable people to reach unreasonable goals in a yeah, sense. Yeah,
0: definitely. I think especially when you know coronavirus first hit, I was also looking for those voices. I mean, who can lead me now? Whose thoughts Mm -hmm. inspire me? Who's doing it right? Who's offering a framework to understand things? I think people like Naomi Klein was somebody that I really kind of gravitated towards to go, okay, sense-making, how do I make sense of this? Who are the people that you go to for those sources of leadership?
1: Oh, a, a, a lot of different people. Actually, the cat is coming. Do you hear the cat? The cat is coming in. I go to my cat and go to my dog. <laughs> uh, probably Mother uh, Nature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, I do spend, and I try and spend more time in nature uh, now. Uh, so that is a big source for me. Yeah. Um, I tend to listen to native and indigenous leaders as well. Yeah. Um, then there's people like Charles Eisenstein, like Daniel Christian Wall, like, um, man, there are so many people doing great stuff and thinking of great stuff at the moment because I'm, you know, at the moment that I'm mentioning some, I'm thinking, whoa, I'm missing a thousand right now. There are so many voices. What, and, and what
0: do you think is the, if? what do you think is the concern with terms like systems change being bandied around with maybe not concrete radical steps taken like what what would what how could this possibly be used to undermine the progress that's happening
1: um i, I don't understand your question how I could
0: yeah. a term like systems change coming up and it's so vague and so hard to understand you know how a brand or an individual can really push towards this um, how can we recognize systems change, I guess, is the
1: question. Uh, okay. I think system change is only a matter, of, but that's a really hard thing, of value change, change to change your values. If, yeah. if right now success, how do we define and consider success? It's earning a lot of money. It's being really famous. It's, you know, football players are more successful than nurses at the moment yeah. um so and that's yeah and that's based on the values that we've created actually yeah yeah um and i i do think that we will shift or that we are shifting from valuing having to valuing being in a way and yeah. um and to coming from, in terms of business, from winner takes all to winner takes care, to a different yeah. type of company, to a company and, and forms of organizations that are more heart um which doesn't mean that they're softies or hippies or whatever. And even if they are, uh, yeah. you know, they, they could still be successful and do great stuff.
0: I had this really weird moment last year where this successful entrepreneur invited me to her house to kind of show me like, this is what I've created for myself. You could have it too. Um, mm-hmm. Wouldn't you like a bigger house, Lucy? Wouldn't you like more money? And I felt like she, who was a different generation, wasn't taking seriously my commitment to impact. But actually what I'm motivated by is not having more staff but doing you know, work that I really um, believe in or amplifying voices that I believe are worthy. And I do think right. this is a, could be a bit of, you're, you're probably an elder millennial. <laughs> <And that's- laughs> yeah. You know, it's a bit of a cliche to say that millennials have different values, but I've certainly found in my lifetime that that is true.
1: It is true, I think.
0: Okay, but- we see some brilliant questions coming up here.
1: Okay.
0: Um, Lisa asked another great question. We're challenging GDP take a big role? I'll
1: hand mm. it over to Mark. Mm, absolutely, I think. Absolutely. And we're uh, seeing it
0: happen more and more, right? Like, there's government standing up and saying we're going to measure in well-being and not just GDP.
1: Absolutely. And as long as measuring for us, and that will probably be uh, a, a standard for quite a long time, but as long as we do that, yeah, um, then measuring – What do we measure? Is it GDP? Is it only figures? Or is it happiness as well? Um,
0: I just feel so lucky to live in a country like the Netherlands where I do feel like my social security and my well-being is prioritized. I Mm read an article this week where um, I think it was the mayor of Texas was um, really angry about the coronavirus restrictions that were put in place and saying, you know, there are other priorities other than saving lives. And it's just kind of like, I often do look to the US and I think oh, it's so, it's so hard for people living in an environment where capital and profit is valued above all other things.
1: Absolutely. Um, but if, even in um, uh, nearly every Friday afternoon I'm in the Founders Call which is uh, it's a call of about 50 to 60 people worldwide yeah. who are founders of their companies and you can I think it was 2 weeks ago which it was really heartbreaking where there is Lady, great entrepreneur. Uh, She's having uh, like an online spiritual uh, thing going in in New York. She's got five yoga schools. She's got more than 120 people working for her. She's doing really great. But she's built this whole company from her heart. So she considers her employees, her family as well. Yeah. She had to... Let go, uh, which means fire.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Eight people. uh, Sorry, eighty people. uh, Two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, While she was having the conversation with her, this conversation with her employees. Yeah. She heard that one of her employees died of Corona. So it's like, and she literally said, like, I know that if I send these people out on the streets, basically. Yeah and I know they're not insured or most of them are not insured so when they do get sick they really have a huge problem so it's you know
0: I have have a question to you related to that and then let's go to Gillian's great question but um Mm -hmm. this trialing of um universal uh is it social security no universal and basic income sorry yeah yeah, yeah. um which was announced in Spain and has been trialed, do you think that that could be part of a systems change? Because in this Absolutely. case, those people that were being sent out onto the street would be covered.
1: Yeah, they would be covered. Now, uh, the, inter- the interesting thing of this time is yeah. that it opens up an opportunity for these type of ideas, yeah. which up until now have been way too radical and way yes. too left and way yeah. too progressive, and and suddenly, um, this opens a window for these type of ideas. Uh, because, you know, could you have imagined a country like Spain considering universal basic income even two months ago?
0: It does make a lot of sense though, doesn't it? I mean, it it, you know, I certainly have experienced myself, I am fully aware that I'm able to be so idealistic and radical and purpose driven because, you know, I have my basic needs covered or secured.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I think that we shouldn't take away from the people that are, you know, concerned with building their own security in life because it's perfectly valid. But, you know, what would Universal Basic um, provide us in terms of a, a healthy and prosperous society?
1: Yeah, um, it's a very legitimate idea, I think.
0: jillian has got another question. So how do we change our values? I wonder if that's in an individual or a more professional business-oriented perspective, but is it having conversations? Who is facilitating that conversation how do you change values so many questions?
1: Hmm. I can only uh, speak from my own experience yeah uh, uh, I think I've, to everyone it's everyone is different so to every everyone's got different triggers, I think, and different ways of moving moving towards changing your values. To me, it started on a bench in a park near Cambridge with an old Native American chief um, who who had, we had a chat, literally it it felt like a chat with an old man, he was in his 70s. And uh, like, you know, one of the least impressive people I've ever met, really soft spoken, really not with any goal or, or whatsoever. And we just had the chat. And, and only five years later, I think i there, I calculated back like my change of values started there at that moment on that bench with that old guy.
0: You describe yourself sometimes as like a former, what, were the, what would be the words that you describe yourself in your former ad life?
1: I'm not sure. How would I describe myself?
0: You just—you disc- mentioned to me once, like a dropping of ego. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, but that's taken me a couple of years, actually. Yeah. Um, so it's not like the dropping of ego, but it is like I—I. I, it is, you know, your the self-righteousness and self-importance, and that uh, a lot of people, including me, think. And even now you know even the work we're doing with creators for climate fridays for future with native circles i want to make a difference yeah. and i want to make impact so still um, in that sense i'm trying to be important <laughs> which is uh, which is, which in the end we are for the
0: right reasons i guess maybe that's because I, I i know that you've spoken a lot about your career switch from working you know within advertising on on any brand to like making this really conscious decision about working for purpose and impact. So I guess that's kind of what I mean.
1: It was like a resetting of values. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that is a big difference. But the, the moment I started working for those brands, um, I literally thought I'm going to teach those stupid hippies how to do this properly. Yeah. And literally what happened is they started teaching me each yeah. and every one I met started teaching me and I, and become my teachers so it's um but like i said for everyone that that's going to be a different road or a different occasion or a different meeting
0: yeah I and i think like a clashing of i mean there's nothing worse in life for me at least than a clashing of values and nothing more rewarding than the meeting of values mm-hmm. um, but i also think that you know, part of being um, a mature and loving and responsible human being is also realizing that it's not your job to have an effect on everybody and not everybody is gonna share your values and to have harmony with those people as well, um, to realize that they might've had a different upbringing or different experiences and that your values aren't better than their values. Um, And I think that will possibly be even more important going forward when values become the most defining characteristic of a brand or an entity.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: So how do we create more space for um, that, for you know, a lack of polarization, let's say?
1: I think that's actually, that's the biggest challenge that we're facing at the moment, because yeah. what we do see is more polarization. You know, I, we're in a bubble as well, and our bubble might be growing, but it still is a bubble. Yeah. And uh, there's another bubble, uh, who's walking down the streets with wearing guns at the moment
0: yeah
1: in, in yeah so you know,
0: systems change too huh
1: absolutely absolutely yeah. and still to try and I've, I've never been so impressed by someone when when i got to know that that mandela when he walked out of prison the first thing he did was forgive the people who put him into prison and that was in the end, that was the only way how he could reconcile and unite. I yeah. think all the South African people. But man, you know, can you imagine? Uh, these are the people who've put him <laughs> to jail for twenty-seven years and and who've been murdering his people for yeah. centuries. Yeah. Uh, First, huh? Yeah. It's, I mean, still that, and I. I don't think that I could do it actually. But uh, there. That is, in the end, the the thing that we need right now. I think the people who are able to unify people and to make them go together instead of going separately.
0: Yeah. Um, I just want to remind people that you can drop your, please be a part of this conversation and drop your comments um, below. Um, But I think it's a really interesting point um, in terms of, you know, maybe communications tactics or wh- what role could communications and maybe even branding play in unifying people? Because I'm really interested by the fact that um, a lot of agencies and advertising and creatives are using their talents right now to yes. communicate COVID messages, basically. Right. So is there a way in our messaging and our communications that we can um, be more empathetic or work to unite people rather than just to polarize?
1: Yeah, I think we can actually, but it it should start, it shouldn't start with communication. It should start with, you know, the inside of the company and with a a change of culture.
0: Yeah.
1: And if that means that from that, their point of view will change, their communication will change as well. Yeah. But, you know, I would really hate it if, and and I think we're bound to see it, uh, the empathetic companies and the empathetic brands who... Uh, who, go, who who are going to try and make us cry and uh, are going to say like, oh, you know, they're so human, they're so human. But it's like it's only the outer layer. and right. And it's exactly the same scheme that we've been in and the same system that we've been in. Yeah. So at first they should become empathetic before they, they communicate being empathetic, I think.
0: What I'm hearing and picking up is that leadership is so important and empathetic and human. It's really interesting. Like when you look at the core of a business or a core of a brand, that's what you're looking at. But also the example that you gave with Yvonne Chenard was, um, a, a, an owner. So mm-hmm. what do you do when you have a traditional setup of a business? Um, Hey Dan, Dan joined the chat. I'm sure he's got lots of pressing questions. <laughs> what do you do when a business, um, has, um, Shareholders to report to. (laughs) You know, how far can you get with changing the core of a brand or a business to be super purposeful when it's still within this system? Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, By being bold, I think. And by, I mean, you could see Paul Pullman change that culture by being bold, but also struggling with his shareholders. Yeah. Um, Right. You know, but, but even. Even people like Phil Knight uh, with Nike or Jobs with Apple were kind of like, you've got to have kind of like a fuck off mentality as well. Like I'm leading this company and we're doing something here that you can be part of instead of the other way around.
0: I had a really interesting chat with um, Xavier Reis, who's the CEO of Havas. in London and when right. the advertising agency became the first B Corporation and I was like, oh my God, you're a hero, amazing. <laughs> and he was like, yes, we're also going to save more money. <laughs> <laughs> and our shareholders are really happy about this, you know, yes. there was a competitive advantage there. So um, that's great in that case. But what happens when that's not the case?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, those are the really brave ones. Um... You know what interface, which is still one of the best examples for that, was uh, was having shareholders and went from being like completely petroleum based yeah. to being neutral. Right.
0: And this is so exciting um, with the new economy, with the fact that there is a business case for moving away. I mean, when buckets of oil uh, go to negative um, exactly worth, um, the business case for a systems change becomes more palatable, Absolutely.
1: Yeah, but that's why this really is a pivotal moment because um, either we'll bounce back uh, and get into our old habits and almost like a a reflex go into that, start using the old muscles or we could bounce forward, I think, and start using different muscles and do different stuff as well.
0: I mean, you know perfectly well, and I'm not going to shy away from it, the fact that I was having an existential crisis last year when I first met Extinction Rebellion. I was really like, Julio, to my husband, we need to pack our bags. The Netherlands, it's going to flood. We're going to get out. And now I've kind of like cushioned into thinking like, okay, this change could take 15 years, five years, I'm not sure. So actually when COVID hit, I was kind of like already ready for it. I was thinking, okay, Mm -hmm. I knew something was coming. Um, So it's kind of like, we do need the systems change, right? And so there's a, a strange pang of relief I had that people are really starting to kind of panic and look for new solutions.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's we have funny. some other
0: really great questions popping up here. So Lisa said, yeah, at, my, at my company, it's a constant fight for budget for marketing. Marketing is still seen as the spending department rather than the one building and expressing values. Mark, I'm sure you've got something to say on that.
1: Um. This is, is this her own company or clients, clients of hers? I
0: imagine it's a company that she's working
1: at. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I, for a lot of companies, this is the case. Yeah. And uh, they are more interested in short term sales than in long term building a personality or a brand. And I, yeah. the only thing I can say is you will not gain trust by focusing on short-term sales and trust will be one of the most essential competitive advantages that any company can have over the next decade. And that trust can only be earned by being consistent and by being, by having integrity and by being patient. Yeah. Um, I I also
0: think it touches on the new role of communicators, right? That you're not just coming in at the end, but you're the one potentially defining the values. Absolutely.
1: But I think there's a role for our industry there as well. I've I've kind of, we are, we have been the sharky ones as well. You know, we, we've been looking at that money on the table right from the beginning when we start uh, the conversations with the, with our clients what's your budget, what's your planning, how, you know, it's like really driven by, driven by those targets as well, where I think where you've, yourself, have got kind of a more relaxed attitude to it and start gaining trust and yep. become, become, huh. be, yeah, become one of them, basically, and be, okay. become responsible for, for their personality and for their behavior, or partly responsible. Then you enter a completely different relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. I just watched um, Chris Voss's masterclass on negotiation. <laughs> so a lot of that came up. Very, very useful. Um, yeah, I think it's just like the art of um, connecting with another human being, right? Like you're yeah. not here. To- it is. Necessarily gain something. We're here to work on something, and most people are coming from that place anyway. So it's about your feelings and your how you you know you feel valued. And I know just in touching on Lisa's point, for me as a communications person, I know exactly how frustrating that is when mm. you know you have a corporate social responsibility team that's assigned the sustainability mandate or the purpose mandate, yeah. and you have to communicate it. And you're actually the person on the front line engaging with communities with all this knowledge. And so I think that communicators should not be under undervalued in in companies and actually being part of that core conversation. Mm -hmm. So Malou's Mm -hmm. got a really great question. When talking about value change personally or professionally, do you believe your intrinsic motivation has to be the main driver or can this also be sparked by governmental cultural change?
1: It can be, I think it can be, Um, but it's an indirect way. Uh, look at the um, tax advantages for electric cars, for example, uh, here in the Netherlands and in in Norway. Yeah, uh, I think we are the highly dense Tesla country in the world, or maybe together with Norway. Um, and that is sparked by, by the government as well. Yeah, uh, and because of that, it becomes more normal, and the change could come from that. You know whether it's. Uh, it's good or bad. Uh, but I do think that governments have got a big, big, big role to play in that. In that.
0: Yes, I agree. My face <laughs> is the, my yeah, face yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. Is what is your...
0: <laughs> I think it's just because the, I, I think we're getting too far into the systems change chat possibly. But I think it's also interesting because the Netherlands has a really like green, sustainable image and the government does all these great things. And I agree with you.
1: Um, no, but it's but it's we don't. Different. No, 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 no. We're horrible, I think. <laughs> Uh, actually, I, no. We're the we're the non-visionaries of uh, of Europe at the moment. I mean, we're really lacking behind in a lot of a lot of different areas uh, concerning sustainability and uh, and stuff like that. We're not doing well at all.
0: Yeah, but getting back to systems change, I think yeah. the reason that I find that term so powerful is because it invites people to imagine an entire rethink so you know even if there isn't a roadmap of what systems change looks like i think the fact even the language is quite powerful in providing a new kind of framework and maybe inviting people to step beyond what's normal and comfortable um what does like this new generation of leadership what does the new leadership because you've spoken about that being so pivotal in terms of driving forward these new purpose-driven companies like how does somebody recognize Um, those kind of attributes that are necessary or, you know, how do you make way for these brave voices that might be challenging business as usual?
1: Right. Well, I I do think it is, um, it's it's kind of a balance. I I literally do feel that we need more feminine characteristics in leadership than uh, the male characteristics (laughs) at the moment uh, because, um, and even you know whether it's male or female but they are like more assume like the whole picture instead of this one focused almost autistic guys can can be quite autistic in in their in their ways um and it is you know more caring for everyone and everything instead of like i said not winner takes all but winner takes care yeah um so i I would look for, if I was in HR or CEO of a really big corporation right now, I would look for those people. But still, you can, you can care and you can take care of your environment and still be ballsy. It you know, doesn't mean that you're all sweet and that you don't want to work towards targets or whatever. You, could, you still can, but in yeah. a different way.
0: I think it's really interesting because you start to bring in the systems change, sustainability conversation with a diversity and inclusion conversation. Mm-hmm. And I know that like women at work have found it really difficult to break. They have to, you know, we typically have to kind of operate in a different way and maybe um, be less emotional or any of these sorts of words that tend to come up when you have um, a female leadership. But for me, at least, um, Jacinda Ardern has been the most amazing example of a female leader that is strong, that is stern. And, of course, I love what you say about feminine qualities because, you know, um, I think that toxic masculinity is terrible for men also and that offices and companies and cultures have not been conducive to humanity.
1: No, and I've seen really masculine women as well. I mean, in in that sense. So I'm I'm talking talking more about the qualities than about the gender, per se. Nice. Um, No, and and another thing is... because the real problem we're about to face right now is the bailout of, of a lot of big companies who are who have failed to pay taxes, who have you know, for the second time we're asking the collective to pay for individual companies uh, a lot, really a lot, while yeah. during the times that that they were doing great.
0: Yeah. They didn't care about governments at all.
1: Not at all. They, they only cared about individual shareholders and individual CEOs. And they're considered too big to fail, like KLM, like Booking, like a lot of other companies. But what if we would start thinking that Earth is too big to fail? Yeah. In a way, what if you would, you know, put conditions to, yes, we're going uh, to save your ass, but uh that means that we will set you up with a couple of conditions in paying taxes in paying fuel taxes in t- when you're talking about uh I about think that's
0: KLM, right so it's not i mean i was i read a scathing article in the guardian this morning about richard branson who was asking for a bailout plea um, and who basically had like once sued the NHS so it's kind of crazy and I think that it's worth talking about you know watching where governments put their money right now and which businesses they prop up but I really agree with you in terms of saying that those conditions um, sound pretty reasonable so if we give you money to support your company because you're employing all these people will you transition towards being better custodians of the earth or, or, mm-hmm. or your going forward?
1: yeah exactly yeah will you show responsibility yeah I so think that's the main I, question
0: Before we wrap up, I invite anyone to ask a question, if you have one there. Um, Nice to see David participating. Um, I wanted to ask you if you have any particularly interesting examples that you've seen during COVID of um, businesses being good caretakers, um, or possibly even before COVID, that are kind of pushing towards this new kind of business that we can hope for
1: you uh, know what uh, i can see smaller firm, firms like earth bank for example who are really trying to change the financial system and and yeah. do a financial system based on regenerative principles yeah. which is so completely totally different than uh, than the system that we're in right now and I, so it's it's not Companies, I think what, what is really interesting right now is that grassroots movements are slowly um, showing up in, in the mainstream. Like yeah. the regenerative movement, for example, which is one of the best examples, I think. Which is done by people, ordinary people, who do great stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: And then, you know, this is kind of the time where this... But I'm, I'm absolutely sure that this will... Influence companies over the next five years a lot really a lot yeah uh, as a source of inspiration, but also as a as a way of all companies I speak to right now acknowledge that the system we're in doesn't fit us anymore, yeah you know even only looking at value change at at making stuff in China and getting it here and you know, they, uh, they all feel like this is not the way to yeah. uh, to go forward. We're celebrating forward.
0: the wrong people, right? Like, I think the fact that even here in the Netherlands, school teachers are going to be going back um, and not necessarily, you know, being fairly financially remunerated for the value that they play in society. It's quite exciting to imagine that some of the jobs that people probably will get the most joy from, lo- looking after people, could be um, better, better rewarded if we start Absolutely. The right yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, Absolutely, yeah, nice. absolutely.
0: Um, well, thank you so much, Mark. You've helped yeah. me to demystify, um, you know, the term systems change. And I think it's really important to be able to tackle these terms um, because they can seem quite, you know, big and lofty. And I mm. definitely wouldn't want the new era of sustainability or regeneration to be um, prohibitive in terms of jargon. <laughs> so no, I think it's okay. really, really okay. helpful okay. to have these conversations to ask the <laughs> questions.
1: Um, and we've got a big role to play. I mean, as narrators, as the people who can build those bridges, I think the only way we're going to see systems change is if there is a new attractive system and we can help build and tell about that attractive system, I think, which yeah. which is beyond left or right and progressive and conservative. And this is a new system. Um,
0: I love that. I I agree with you. In terms of communications, um, I think it's what we're trying to do with Creators for Climate, succeeding or not right now. Um, But, you know, painting positive, inviting, loving um, images of what a new... A possibility could look like rather than criticizing what doesn't work because I agree with yeah. you. a lot of people as you say just realize the system that we're living in doesn't work for them but okay so what's the alternative
1: exactly exactly and it's really hard to shake off the old system when you're not sure what the new system is yeah. it's impossible even I think yeah so so main priority right now I think is to build and dream and tell about that new that new system
0: yeah, nice. We've got 1.55 seconds. Oh, wait, one minute. <laughs> seconds um, so uh, do you have any tips for people that are maybe struggling to connect with themselves or, or define their values during this moment that could help going forward?
1: Well, the only tip I, I would have is, yes, do go out in nature. Do go through that restless feeling, you know, when you sit down by yourself and, and I I have a lot of restlessness in my body as well. Uh, and I can go nuts sometimes in, you know, being confined and having all these digital interactions where I go, ah, I want to see people and hug people and, you know, not interact like this. But when you do, I, Silence is a really great teacher, and it's, uh, it can help you. Although it's awkward and although it's like really painful at times, it does help a lot, I think, to find that connection.
0: I love it. I love this reconnecting with yourself as being part of reconnecting with others and that the system that you're living in in your micro level is probably also the macro level. I think that it's time for these... Yeah fuddy daddy, hippy-dippy conversations to enter the mainstream. <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for being such an ally and teaching me about this new space. Jess says that she wants to give you a big hug.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you too, Jess. <laughs> that
0: was overall a success, despite a tricky beginning. Um, so thanks, everybody, for joining. And um, let's all get off our phones and go connect with nature,
1: huh? Exactly. I'm going out on the back.
0: Nice. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks, Lucy. Bye-bye. <laughs>
0: Wow, that got a little deep. I told you, Mark is one of my mentors and he provokes these bigger philosophical chats. If you got this far, thanks for sticking with me and tune in to our next episode featuring a brave leader with a bold vision of the future, somebody willing to create disturbance to achieve positive impact.